Welcome to Talking Buildings. Broadcasting from the world-famous Bondi Beach. Bondi Radio. This is Talking Buildings, a Sibsey Australia and New Zealand production. I'm Paul Angus, the Sibsey ANZ Regional Chair and the host of Talking Buildings. As always, I'm joined by the ever-smiling and cheerful co-host Sharon Pustongi, Sibsey BDM. Today, we'll be discussing the theme, Engineering Career Success. So who's joining us today on this session, Sharon? Hi, Paul. We're joined today by Stephen Slater, Senior Consultant from Constructive Recruitment. Constructive is a specialist technical boutique recruitment agency in the engineering, built environment, and resources sector. Constructive has been in operation for 15 years and operates nationally with offices in Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth. Steve is personally responsible for placing over 50 engineers over the past two and a half years in various MEP roles in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. That's great, Sharon. This session will appeal in one way or another to our listeners and will, to some extent, also appeal to anyone in the construction industry. By listening to this session, will also allow those tuning in to learn about what engineering employers are thinking when they hire and also provide some great tools to utilise. We'll also examine how an engineer can stay competitive in the future job market in terms of focusing on non-technical skills and the importance of keeping up to date on all the latest technological, technological trends in your industry. Communication plays an important part and we'll focus on all aspects from written, verbal and including body language and what not to do in sending out the wrong signals. We should just highlight this session is in no way encouraging engineers to leave their current employers based on these discussions. This session is more about developing the engineering career success for our listeners and helping them to achieve their potential. Thanks for joining us to record this podcast session today, Steve, and welcome to Talking Buildings. Thank you, Sharon and Paul, for inviting me down to Bondi to get involved in this great initiative that you've helped promote and educate the built environment. It's really a great location down here at Bucket List, down in Bondi Beach. I'm really looking forward to discussing the theme, engineering career and success. That's great. Thank you for joining us, Steve. Um, we're going to begin this session today with a quote, quote from the late and great Steve Jobs, who said, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, but don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you will know when you find it. I thought this quote was most relevant for all of us in finding our passion or careers, whatever we're doing. Because finding your passion and pursuing it in your engineering career is the key to having a successful and enjoyable work life. However, it's not always easy to find this and we all need a helpful nudge or steer in the right direction, especially early on in our careers. And that's where you come in, Steve. So can you let us know how you got into the recruitment market and what advice you would give to encourage building services engineers or graduates, whether starting off in a career or those who have developed their career of choice but are seeking to reach their dream, dream role? Well, personally, I got into the recruitment market four years ago here in Australia. I started working with Constructive about two and a half years ago in the building services, uh-huh. it's, uh, which I've really enjoyed since. Um, my actual my background of my history is that my dad was an engineer, and engineering is what I was brought up with. So to be actual, be able to recruit and and deal with people day to day that are in, in, in engineering is actually. Uh, uh, a pleasure for me. Um, so, but in respect to graduates who get trying to get into the field, yeah, they, I would advise probably contacting companies directly, mm-hmm. uh, being very very proactive and um, getting getting your name out there, like getting to SIPS events yeah. as well, um, just to get your meet new people and just. If you you can't really use a recruiter as a as a graduate because you have no experience, but to get your foot in the door, you need mm-hmm. to take your own initiative and and work your way up there. If you're actually a experienced and developed engineer, yeah, then there's uh, many of ways you can uh, you can change the your career path or get to the get to the actual role that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. If you want to change and work your way up you can uh, if you want to be a senior or if you want to be associate want to be a project engineer if you want to be a director there's 
He's plenty of uh, career paths there. He just needs to know where where to look. Yeah. Um, there's hundreds of hundreds of consultancies in Sydney, um, all offering different different uh, career paths. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just about finding the right one. If if um, you say if you if you are looking yeah. to change your way, then talk to somebody. Not not necessarily about jumping job there and then, mm-hmm. about not in the next two three weeks, but talk to someone about where you want to be in the next two to three years and yeah. how how you will get there. Okay, setting yourself a plan like a five year plan. Yeah, three definitely. Five year plan. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Thanks. Um, so, what advice would you give an engineer who finds themselves, you know, in these predicaments? Is it better to stay in an enjoyable job where I'm not getting the experience I need to achieve my goals? Or what if to take a job where I'm getting the experience I need to achieve my goals, but the atmosphere of the company is not so great? Well, over the two and a half years I've been in the building service industry here, um, and particularly knowing a lot of people through the SIPSI network, I've seen the rise and fall of a lot of consultancies. I've seen new consultancies coming up, mm-hmm. new startups. Yeah. Um, and everything changes. It changes very, very quickly. It, you can have one one month that they can everything can be going great and a lot of projects coming through and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the, the project uh, the projects dry up and you've got no work on but the culture's still great and it can you can really find yourself in a little bit of a, a pickle. Or yeah. But it, it does help when it comes to, to knowing where your company is going yeah. and what their long-term goals are okay. uh, and what if um, you've got a really good communication with the managers and the directors of the business, For sure, knowing sure. what projects are going to come in in the next two, three months, six months, a year, knowing mm-hmm. that it's not going to be if it's slow now it's going to be it may not be slow later on yeah. if you've got a good culture you get it's, you may well stay there uh-huh. um, I have a lot of people that come to me and, and speak to me that I know the business that they're in is good they just had a really bad year that yeah. this, I kind of advise them not to not to move okay in some sense yeah. and sometimes just stick with it and see how it is ride it out because you don't want to be a job jumper uh, of just because there's no, no work on at the moment Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes down to, it might not be, um, don't have a knee-jerk reaction just yeah. to when you want to move. Uh-huh. If uh, if you think something's bad, think about it, talk to somebody, um, talk to somebody who knows the industry well outside of the business, uh-huh. um, outside of the network, um, and then if you don't, it's you should be in work to enjoy work. Yeah, not of course. Not to just have a high salary or have the projects that you want. You need. You should be enjoying your job. Yeah. So you should be in it for the long term. Okay. Yeah. That's, good, That's advice. good advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In one of our previous sessions, we covered Australian standards and legislation from engineers emigrating from overseas to the ANZ region. And coming from the UK myself, I was extremely lucky as I was approached internally from an inter- international consultancy, which made the paperwork trail much easier. But with the rec- recent changes applying for visas, are there any strategies that you could perhaps elaborate on for engineers who are maybe seeking experience overseas or potential engineers listening from overseas who may be interested in working in the ANZ region? Uh, this is a critical point, really. Uh, with me at the moment, I've got several engineers I'm working with that have uh, come in from overseas and, uh-huh. and need visas. Um, it's never easy to get a job in Australia. It's not as easy to get a job in Australia if you're from overseas, if you were here in Australia working. Um, a lot of consultancies, when they're looking for um, engineers, are looking for intermediates uh, because they bring graduates in themselves and juniors in themselves. Uh-huh. They're, they're, if they're looking for skilled people, intermediate and above, senior associates, they need people with the Australian's mm-hmm. knowledge, and the, the knowledge of the Australian standards. Of course. And um, it's very difficult to have that. But uh-huh. Um, people from the UK um, are actually at a very good um, advantage because it's very, very, very similar standards to Australian. Uh-huh. Uh, most consultancies will accept engineers from the UK, although they won't know the market. So it's you won't be able to get into an associate role or anything with um, 
business development because you won't have the, the contacts in the market, but mm-hmm. you'd be able to get more of a senior role. Um, but it's also, I've met a lot of engineers over the time from the Middle East who, Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, okay. who use the British standards mm-hmm. as, um, as, their, as their standards. And then it's very similar to the Australian standards. So they need a chance. They need to be given a, a step into the industry. And mm-hmm. them, that kind of engineer from the Middle East is probably best going through a recruiter if they can, if they've got experience. Yeah. Um, to know, to talk to a recruiter first, they probably like they won't be able to help them because they won't have the Australian experience now. But mm-hmm. in six months' time, as soon as you have that six months to a year experience here in Australia, um, you will be, um, I would say, an asset to a company. But mm-hmm. more in demand because you've worked on the pro- you worked on the type of projects, you've worked on everything, but you don't know the Australian standards. Uh-huh. Um, my advice is to read up on the Australian standards, mm-hmm. like, like know them in and out. Yeah. So if you're going to come over here and if you eventually do get an interview, if you do know them Australian standards and you know the difference between what standards you are using and what you are using and the Australians are, uh-huh. then it's a benefit to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. So from talking earlier, engineers make some very basic mistakes when going through the job interview process. One of them being focusing too much on themselves. The other common challenge is being nervous, which I can totally relate to. Um, and so like a lot of people get nervous during job interviews, and then they don't really show their true selves and their personalities to their prospective employers. Can you give us some examples or like some advice on how to conduct oneself in an interview? Like for example, what's the best way to introduce yourself? In an interview, everybody gets nervous. Uh, it's, it's best to know, and nerves is a, a thing that comes with everything. Mm-hmm. Doing this is... No. <laughs> um, but um, in an interview, it's best to know who you're going to be speaking to. Um, when I, I'm dealing with a candidate or an engineer, uh, I will let them know. I will give them all details of the person or people that they mm-hmm. are meeting to the T, make sure they know their background, know where they came from, know where, why they're in the position they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing the company inside and out that you are meeting yeah. is, a benefit, uh, is a benefit. You need to know uh, what projects they do, yeah. why they're in the position they are, and mm-hmm. what disciplines they do. Um, so it's in your knowledge, knowledge is the key to get over nerves. Mm-hmm. If you know yeah. who you're speaking to, if you know them like better than you know yourself, then you can you can speak to them on a, on a level. They may have been in your position like five or six years ago, so yeah. you can actually relate to where they are. Um, if you go in blind, if you don't know who you're speaking to, if you don't know the company, you will, you'll fail at the interview More process. Nervous. Yeah. yeah. So what's something you shouldn't tell an interview, or? Uh, interview, you shouldn't. Salary is one. Like, it's it's never good to say I'm um, just moving jobs for salary. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not a, it's never a winner. Like, the clients will never be interested in, in somebody who's just jumping for money because at the end of the day they, they could just jump again when they get more money. Yeah. Um, it needs to be for a legitimate reason. It needs to be for um, whether you're working on type of projects you're working on it isn't right whether you're working on whether you're if you need progression it's not there in the company you yeah. need, like, it needs to be something solid sure and um, what are the what's the sort of the key one i guess is um when they when you're asked to explain your strengths and weaknesses oh how, what, what are what are some things that people can say well, for, especially for weaknesses that's such a hard one isn't well, it? i hate this i hate weaknesses but um Strengths, yeah, you be humble. You got to know how good you are. You've got to know the level you're at. If you don't know something, be honest. Yeah. If I've had several times, I've had candidates that I'm working with that have gone into interviews and they've tried to guess an answer 
like a technical answer, a technical question on something, and that has shut them down completely because they um. tried to guess. And if they'd just been humble and said, I actually no, I've done that. I don't know the answer to that question, mm. but I'm keen to learn that. Then that would be the step forward. It's um, it's it's knowing where you are and not being too. Not being too co- overconfident. Yeah. So being true and honest to yourself, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Because you will okay. get you will get caught out. The people that are interviewing you, I've been in the industry for 15, 20 years. They've been through so many, like they've seen a lot of different engineers. They know when an engineer is telling the truth or when they're not. So don't try and guess. It's best to just be humble and say that you don't know, and and move on. Thanks, Steve. That, that's some great insights there and, and wa- ways to reduce your nerves as well. Um, so, Steve, are there any trends as to when and why people leave companies or when companies tend to sort of spe- seek new staff, any sort of times of years um, that's sort of best? And what advice do you give to candidates about when to start looking for a new job? Well, staff retention is key. Um, there's a lot of consultancies that have got it right, mm-hmm. um, and there's a few that have got it quite wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a couple of consultancies at the moment with revolving doors, and it just keeps staff morale down because they see they're on projects with different engineers every couple of months, and they're not seeing the same same engineer from concept to completion, um, and it just it. It doesn't make strength in the business. What causes that? Like well, it's three main things really. In like causes it is like the culture in the business. Mm. Um, salary is a big thing uh, for everybody. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to pay bills. Um, and knowing that there's other jobs out there paying higher salaries, you, you kind of yeah you get the inkling that you could be m- earning more. Yeah. And a good manager. Having a good manager, knowing how to talk to that manager, ha- knowing how to um, work well with them and work well as a team I- is key. Yeah. Um, and when when companies are seeking new staff, they, they really need to think about the process, um, about how they're going to go about that, how they're going to engage maybe one or two recruiters or engage um, if they're going to put a C card up, it doesn't really work because C cards will get maybe say 50 to 100 engineers from overseas. That you not uh, and it's opportunity cost. Like if you're yeah. a if you're a high level senior like associate engineer and you have to go through all these CVs, like it's your time is like yeah is very costly. So you need to um, find somebody that actually do that for you and get and bring people to the, to the table quite quickly uh, and efficiently instead of having to just rattle through millions and millions of CVs yeah um, but yeah in essence staff retention is key well uh, constructive we um, we actually the market rating for recruitment uh, is for staff retention is 38% we're at 12% mm-hmm. uh, and we pride ourselves on um, having no one left for two years. Wow. So we need to... Uh, Doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all companies should really look at how they should keep their staff, not on how to get more projects. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. We touched upon it briefly before when um, an engineer finds themselves stagnating in a role and whether they should stay or move or on to reach their career goals. But what about the work-life balance conundrum? I know I've often fallen into the trap before, and to quote John Lennon in his famous quote, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I I wrote down happy, and they told me I didn't understand the assignment, and I told them they didn't understand life. (laughs) So what advice would you recommend each engineer ask themselves to ensure that they are taking all the right steps in their engineering career to achieve goals that are important to them, plus also find the right balance in terms of work and life. Work-life balance is a big uh, idea out there at the moment. It's 
a lot of engineers have got getting to the point where they're, they're mid thirties, late thirties, and they've got families and kids, and they need to be spending time with them. Mm -hmm. um, there is consultancies out there now that are doing um, flexi time and yeah. um, actually working on term time uh, engineers. Is uh -huh. that becoming more popular, flexi hours and things? It, it should be. It, is, uh, yeah. it really it should, should be. Um, I've worked with several engineers recently that would like to work on two or three day basis. Um, it's difficult to do. Um, that. That is not one way you would ever go directly to a company and ask for. Yeah. You really need a, a recruiter to um, to establish that and tell the client or the, the company or the manager director that this is what they're looking for, but this is how they can uh, like uh, improve your business. Mm. Um, working from home, like, is that more acceptable? Uh, it should be. Um, there is consultancies out there that make sure that everybody's in at half past eight and don't leave till... 10 o'clock at night and there's consultants out there that make sure the doors are shut at half five because they've got it you just you need it's to know culture. It, the culture yeah. of the business um and it's the ones that make sure that their staff are happy and working well um, and have the right work-life balance they will keep their staff right brilliant so i'm going to end this part of the session with another great quote this one is from tony robbins the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships, which we can all relate to as it's key to networking and business relationships in your engineering career is critical because strong relationships will yield opportunities in your engineering career and life. So do you have any advice or specific strategies for developing your networking skills, Steve? Oh, the best way in building services to uh, establish your network is to attend the SIPSI, <laughs> SIPSI events, <laughs> um, which we all, uh, enjoy uh once you're always month. there aren't you i'm always there <laughs> well being a key sponsor we've, uh, which we're, uh, we actually actually proud sponsor of sipsy uh -huh. um we it's it's good to get to them network networking events every month every six weeks whatever it is um the next one i believe is on the 6th of december i believe yeah um <laughs> and the young, young engineers network is actually on the 29th of november mm -hmm. um with them networking events, you meet new people. You actually, most of the people that come to them are experienced, knowledgeable engineers that have been in the industry for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and you may only speak to them for five, 10 minutes, but they, you know them and you can go to them for advice. And I will always be there to help you introduce, introduce anyone that you need to. Um, I had a, a candidate recently that came over from the UK. He came to the SIPSI event. I introduced him to the whole committee to make sure he he's actually knew who he was speaking to over email to to know yeah. um, to be able to set himself up in Australia. Fantastic. Mm, that's really good. Uh, we, just, we just like to highlight as well that there's not just in Sydney. We've got events um, every month, nearly in all the chapters around Australia, New Zealand. So you were just talking there from the Sydney perspective. Yeah. Um, okay, now it's time for a little fun, and we'll change the dynamic of the session. Right over to you, Sharon, for the Rapid Roundup. It's time for Rapid Roundup. Bondi Radio. Thank you, Paul. And it's time to put Steve in the hot seat for some random and intriguing questions. When you're ready, here we go. Right, so... Of all the resumes you have scanned, what is the weirdest skill someone has ever listed? <laughs> I've had some weird CVs through in my time. Um, people from, um, uh, what was it yesterday? I had a helicopter <laughs> helicopter engineer um, that would design in the interiors of helicopters that really? work to get into building services. Okay. Kind of doesn't go two and two, but um, <laughs> I have ha I've also had um, sandwich artists from Subway. Uh, sandwich trying what? Sandwich artists from Subway trying oh. to be <laughs> get into the building service industry. Uh, it does it. They. It does shock you every single day <laughs> what what people will try to get into the industry. But um, it's obviously a, a candidate short market. But. Um, the What's your the advice to that? The companies <laughs> won't take just everything, so sure. it's not. I wouldn't apply if you haven't got the experience of building services. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're filtering them, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
we thought them through. That's good to hear. <laughs> and what's the best question? Can uh, what's the best question asked by a candidate to you? The best question. Well, the only question that most asked. Uh, it's always about culture and about people. How many people are in the company and how many people are leaving the business and. It's um, you may yeah. be in a, you may still be it's in incredible. a very, very good consultancy, but you may see people leave, and that's not a bad thing. It's yeah. not always a bad thing. Um, and I spoke to some engineers recently, and they're saying, "Oh, such a body and such a body are leaving this business. Is it, is it because of the company?" It's like, no, it's not. It's because they're, they're progressing through other means, and it's not because that consultancy is a bad culture. It's People have been there for two, three, four years, five years. They're just moving on. And yeah. Okay. So, see, what's your favourite football team? Oh, from Manchester originally in the UK, so uh, I do support Manchester United. Glory Hunter. Wonderful. <laughs> Not a glory hunter <laughs> at all. And I um, actually lived 15 minutes from the stadium, so I used to go as a kid. Aww. And when, when you aren't attending... Sydney technical events in Sydney. How do you spend your evenings? Well, not far from here, actually, around Bondi. Um, I'm lucky to have a good friendship group from the UK. There's maybe 40, 50 of us from wow. from from Leeds <laughs> and uh, other areas in in Sydney. So, uh, and my, my girlfriend lives with me in Clovelly, so we spend a lot of time in, in the eastern suburbs. Wonderful. And when you go to the movies, then, do you prefer action or romance? And when do you go to the movies, do you get a choice? Answer carefully. Oh, <laughs> carefully. <laughs> At the moment, I, I don't really get a choice, but um, <laughs> uh, if it was my choice, it would probably be a good comedy or an action film. Yeah. Um, so you recently celebrated a one-year anniversary with your girlfriend. What's the best date you ever plan in that time? Uh, the best date, we had a really nice uh, Valentine's evening at Shangri-La in the Aww. city. Yeah. It was a, a staycation, but it was nice. It was a... Did you just say, oh, Sharon? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> is that in your opinion, Steve, or is that in your No, that was in my opinion. I yeah. think that was nice. Wonderful. And if you could rid the world of one type of food, what would that be? Well, you both know the answer to this. is cheese. <laughs> really not a fan of it at all. Give me although, five. Although, Give me five. Although I do... <laughs> Eat it on pizza, but I... You're like both weird. I, I am. I am. <laughs> my girlfriend thinks I'm weird, my friend thinks I'm weird, but then cheese is the one that I get rid of. Uh -huh. What is it with cheese that you can't eat? Is it just it's, the, it's just the texture and the, the smell of it sometimes. Oh, okay. So well. I don't invite you around for a cheese fondue then? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who's your favourite um, music artist at the moment? Uh, I follow a lot of people. I kind of listen to a lot of podcasts um, into more of my house music. Um, I've got a, a long standing um, appreciation of Fleetwood Mac from back in the day of the 80s. Oh uh yeah. Um, they would be my bucket list to mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. Uh, if I could. Aww. And do you have a favourite phrase you live by? I've been thinking about this. It would either be Work hard, play hard, or early bird catches the worm. Thank you. Um, so, where do you see yourself in five years? Now, I'm asking Ooh, questions. turning the tables. <laughs> Ooh. Well, uh, hopefully here in Australia. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the Australian ways of life, and building services is something that I've really got my teeth into and, and really enjoy working with the engineers. Uh, working alongside Sipsi as well has made my, my network advanced like tenfold. Mm -hmm. um, I can see myself in five years being still in still with Constructive, still in building service recruitment and hopefully still helping all these engineers find their career path. Wonderful. Thanks, Steve. We enjoy working with you too. <laughs> and if you could offer your younger self some advice, what would that be? My younger self. You're younger, not that you know. <laughs> not, you not, that much not younger. Not that old. Um, <laughs> I would say, concentrate, work hard, um, and get over to Australia earlier than 28. <laughs> <laughs>
And if you weren't a recruitment consultant, what would you be? Uh, well, back in the UK, I did. I was jack of all trades. I opened a barber's, uh, <laughs> set up a barber's myself. I <laughs> I was uh, I worked in lettings agency for uh, one of my best friends. I did everything. I could have. I could have been anything. I was. I don't know where anything I was going. niggling that you haven't done, or well, maybe something you have when done. I was at, when I was at college in college, I was going to set myself up as a financial um, a foreign exchange trader, um, but that never occurred. No. <laughs> um, and if you could choose a superpower for a day, what would that be? Well, we talked about this earlier, Sharon. Um, I think it would be teleportation, so I could teleport myself back to the UK. Right. Just to see the family just for a day and not spend 24 hours on a plane. Cool. But you'd probably want to teleport back within that day because oh if yeah, you miss well, that deadline, back. that's an expensive flight. That is an expensive <laughs> flight and a long flight. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Steve. Back over to you, Paul. Thanks, Sharon. I'm always blown away with the rapid roundup, but you never know what will it, where it will take us. Steve, you certainly made us smile with some of those awesome and interesting responses there. Right, let's get back into the discussion on the theme of our podcast session revolving around engineering career success. So Steve, you touched upon it earlier when, that you've um, been in recruitment now for a long time and based here four years in Sydney, you said? So with the current trends in the global financial crisis, how has the market changed in, say, the last four or five years? Well, in building services, it's been hot and cold for the past two and a half years. Um, I would say this time last year, there was a lot of movement in the industry. Yeah. Um, which means that this time this year, it's going to be a bit s slower because a lot of the, the talent and the good engineers that have moved over to their next step in their career, mm -hmm. they're not job hum hoppers. They're not going to job like hop again in another year. They're going to yeah. spend at least, even if they don't like it, they, they, they're going to spend a good year and a half, two years and try and see why they don't like the role so it's this time of year it's a bit a little bit quieter mm -hmm. uh, on the movement there's a, a lot of projects going on this you can see the amount of cranes that are in sydney that's uh, right, and yeah. the construction going on and uh, the infrastructure um that's going on it's it's going to be continuous for the next three four years at least mm -hmm. um so i wouldn't i wouldn't say that um the industry is going to be at all it's just mm -hmm. it, I, I think give it maybe a year yeah may, in the next six months we'll see a big change yeah have you noticed in any states where it's changed in the last like since you've been here for the last four years has it changed has it changed specifically in Perth or Sydney or Brisbane well or Perth yeah. uh, from my, what my colleagues have been saying in Perth um, obviously they were heavily um, involved in the oil and gas and that collapsed and it kind of uh -huh. collapsed the whole industry and there's no money in Perth so mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, a lot of slowdown in Perth yeah whereas Sydney kind of vamped up they they're really ahead of all states yeah uh, well New South Wales are ahead of all states but Melbourne is fast on the heels Melbourne is is the up and coming place to be mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of a lot of construction going on down there does that mean um, like the big consultancies are taking on more graduates as well every year? or They're trying to take these different plans. Um, it changes all the time. But there's always a graduate plan in the consultancies. They're always at the graduate fairs. They're always trying to get the grads and build them up. But yeah. um, when it comes to movement, it's they, they inevitably are going to lose one or two engineers anyway from going to another consultancy they have to bring in senior associates they have to bring them in from elsewhere yeah so it you can never tell you this you can have a consultancy that's been set for six months there's no movement at all it's like everybody's happy and then all of a sudden three four people will just leave and they'll, they'll end up having to bring in people from elsewhere okay mm. So would you agree, Steve, that um, companies especially like to know if the potential candidate is looking for, you know, a, to establish their career rather than just um, get another job? And if you are looking into improving your quality of life and whether or not you're strictly looking for salaries for financial reasons? Salary is not one thing to, to move for. Mm -hmm. uh, you should always be speaking to your line manager about that. Yeah. Um, in, in essence, you should really speak to somebody about your career path yeah um 
that's where I, I can come in. If, mm-hmm. Even if you're not looking to move right now, even yeah. not in the next year, if you want to sit down with a coffee with me and have a talk about where you want to be, if you want to be in a tier two consultancy, if you want to be a tier one consultancy, if you want to be a senior role, if you want to be an associate role, yeah. uh, how are you going to get to that place within a time frame? Mm-hmm. I'm happy to talk you through that. It's, it's a lot of the engineers don't know most of the other consultancies out there, they're kind of they're focused on what they're doing, the consultants that they work for, they don't know who else is out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So more often than not, yeah, um, can you see patterns developing where people kind of job hop, you know, every 18 to 24 months? Because that kind of, when I look at CVs, it tells a story of whether the engineer is actually gaining the relevant project experience from inse- inception to completion. So that ca- can that be construed to be perhaps driven by mistakes and walking away, or do you just dis- consider that as an issue? Job hopping, that's uh, one thing as well. Um, there can be m- various reasons for it uh-huh. and very strong reasons for it as well. Yeah. Um, working with a very good engineer at the moment that's probably worked one year in a consultancy, moved six months into the next job and mm-hmm. isn't enjoying what he's doing Okay. and wants to move again. And it's, it's it, you come a case when I speak to the clients there, why is he jumping so much? It, it's a very, it's good reason. Like they may not be working on the right projects. They may not be, they may be just working on singularly just working on residential projects, nothing exciting, nothing that they want to be, um, or they have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so job hopping is not a hindrance. Mm-hmm. If you have the right recruiter, if you speak yeah. to myself, like, I can obviously tell the client, tell the company that the reasons why and their background and try and sell the person for who they are, what they can do rather than their yeah. past 18 months experience. Yeah, well, that's good because it kind of raises a, a red flag, doesn't it, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, for experienced engineers to get past the gate peop- gatekeeper in any organisation, what's the best approach for compiling a CV? In terms of importance, you know, is it technical, non-technical skills, competition, uh, so communication, winning work? What's, what's the sort of key drivers for CVs? Well, CV doesn't have to be a JK Rowling book. <laughs> it doesn't have to be War and Peace. Um, when, one in a, in a CV, really, you need to have one paragraph on your career goals. Where do you want to be? What, what do you want to achieve? What kind of work do you want to be working on? What projects do you want to be working on? Um, then work experience summary with all the dates where you've been. So mm-hmm. you've been one company for X to Y and yeah. one company is X to Y. Um, and then detailed like experience on projects. So the projects that you've done over time, give a brief summary of some of them and then de- really like a detailed into the, some of the big projects that you've worked on, the one that, that, that you're really most impressed with, that they're really going to impl- impress that, mm-hmm. that company you're going to put your CV forward to. Okay. Um, so we touched upon the key trends as to why engineers leave their employers. I'm sure you've heard them all by now over and over again. However, you must get inquiries from people who are in the dilemma when perhaps they are not advancing through the ranks as they'd like to. So do you have any advice or strategies you give to an engineer who's looking um, when uh, looking to approach your line manager? Well, if you're in a good consultancy, yeah. your, your career or your progression should already be mapped. You should already be told that if you do, if you're here for a year or if you spend so much time doing this, then you'll progress to from intermediate to senior to associate to director. Yeah. Um, you should know that. You should already know if I do so much work, if I bring in so much business as an associate, I'm going to be promoted, mm-hmm. I'm going to be awarded. Um, if you feel like you're at a point of progression in a consultancy that and it's not there, and you've spoken to your line manager and you can't get it, yeah. that's when you should start talking to uh, a recruiter like myself. Okay, good answer. Alrighty, and here's some interesting stats for you, Steve. Um, and this certainly made me sit up and take notice. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, Do you, the Did You Know series, it's on um, YouTube, but we played this at our, um, one of our re- recent regional meetings. And some of, the, um, some of these stats uh, kinda, you know, are quite relevant to what we're talking about. So um, the top 10 jobs in demand in 2010 did not actually exist in 2004. One in four workers at any organization have been with the employer for less than a year, and less than one in two have been there for less than five years. 
For students now beginning a four-year technical degree, with the current advancements in technology, half of what they learn in the first year of study will be outdated by the third year of study. So with that in mind, where do you see the future in building services market leading up to 2020? Ah, with the advancements in technology and virtual reality and AI and, and everything else, mm. it's, you really need to keep up with current trends. Um, it's not just about getting a degree now and, and getting a job and sitting behind a job. You need to be currently like on the ball. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that the SIPSI events, they do give that continuous learning and and s time to spend with the people on advancing your skills. Um, you have to be, if you want to be, if you want to move up in the ranks and you want to progress, yeah. you, n you need to be always learning. Mm. So then how important are an engineer's qualifications and credentials um, sort of when doing their CV or going for a job? Well, if I come to an example of um, an engineer that I'm working with right now, he's come from the UK. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's got 25 years of experience in the industry. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't have a mechanical engineering degree. Okay. And getting a visa for that is difficult, for one. Mm -hmm. um, but he has. He's actually owned his own business, and he's he's worked his way up. But he's affiliated with Sipsy. Uh -huh. Yeah. And he has got membership over in the UK. He's now looking into, he's progressing through the membership here in, in Australia. And through that, and he, if he had applied directly, if he had gone, he may have been missed. So mm -hmm. he comes to myself and I'm able to speak to the clients that I've got very, very good relationships with mm -hmm. and explain his situation and what he's doing and why he's here. And he's not just here just to have a holiday and go home, he's actually moved his whole family over here. Mm -hmm. it, it works well to know someone that's networked in the industry. Yeah, well, good. And so how important is it in, our, in the building services, you know, these engineers to be chartered? Like, what differences can that make? Being chartered helps m massively. Um, it means you can sign off on the projects. It means you're an asset to the company. Um, you're not just somebody who does the designs and passes them over to you, the, your manager or somebody else to sign off on. You are actually the person who finalizes that, that project and signs off on it. Um, it's, it's what all, all consultancies are looking for. Um, and it should be something that all engineers strive to, to move forward with. So is that true? So all consultancies look for that, like kind of big consultants, medium, small? As soon as you get to past senior point, if you're at the high end of senior and associate, you should really be looking at being chartered. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, so in terms of down downturn in the market and competition of engineering spots must be sort of getting tough, what's the best way to deal with rejection? And is it okay to ask for feedback to develop yourself further? Well, downturn has not happened yet while I've been <laughs> in the building service industry, and um, uh, fingers crossed it won't happen in the next few years. Um, but still you still you still you still get a few rejections. Yeah. You will get when you when you go for an interview. There's more likely that two or three people that will be in that interview that'll be in that interview process as well. Other engineers. Um, what you get from myself is uh, honest feedback, it, even if you've gone into that interview, you've done really well, and somebody's pipped you at the post, you'll have con like constructive criticism on how you can progress to the next level and do well next time, and maybe not right this time. Yeah. I've worked with some engineers, and I've, I got them a placement in 24 hours. I've worked with some engineers for eight months, wow. right. and got them the placement that they wanted. It's about making that right match. You may go through two, three, four different interviews, and until you find the right one sure. for you. Yeah. But it's not to get disheartened. If you get pipped at the post by somebody else, they may have more experience than you. It's inevitable. Uh, it's, not it's, not, it's not personal, it's yeah. not about you. Um, they will, in every, every consultancy, will always interview two or three people at least, unless you're a very specialized engineer. Okay, cool. Brilliant. You kind of answered this question before, but um, if we look at the graduate market, it can be really tough. And with a significant number of graduates completing their studies at the same time, in respect to the number of graduate programs that consultancies can offer, 
It's expected now that a student graduating today should expect to change jobs probably 10 times over the course of their career. So what advice would you give to a graduate starting out in the building services field? Um, advice to graduates. If I'm honest, I can't help graduates. Mm -hmm. um, when my clients come to me uh, to find them experienced and skilled staff, graduates don't have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, I would advise them to do their homework, know who the consultancies are, are, are out there, yeah. and approach them directly. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to find a, a somebody's details or somebody's name or LinkedIn that's the HR manager in a business and send them an email directly. It's nothing nothing better than just doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you won't, by applying to a, a thousand jobs through Seek or through uh, recruiters, you won't get a job as a graduate doing that way. You need to be proactive for yourself. You kind of need to take your own initiative uh, and go with that. And it, that initiative will get you your foot in the door because other graduates won't be doing that. It's really good advice, thank you. Awesome. Just one more question, Steve. Um, how, how important is LinkedIn? LinkedIn, um, yes, very important. Um, to have a good profile, mm -hmm. to make sure that you're, you're out there and you're known about. Um, recruiters will look, to look at your LinkedIn profiles and where you are, but also other businesses will as well. It's good to have where you've been, what you've done, your experience, um, and obviously your qualifications on there. It's, it is a, it's a tool that will help you progress through your career. So it's important to grow the network as well, on Oh uh, yeah, and you can obviously, you can link in with a lot of the other engineers and you can, like, uh, you can obviously follow Sipsy and the, their events and stuff like that in, on LinkedIn. It's, it's a helpful tool throughout anyone's career. Yeah, thanks. That's great, thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. It's really been interesting and an enthusiastic discussion, providing those tuning in with some fantastic value and insights. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure everyone tuning in will agree this has been a thoroughly entertaining and educational session. Thank you both, Sharon and Paul, for Sipsy for allowing me to take part in this initiative for such a wo wonderful location as Bucket List in Bondi. Thanks, Steve. That's great, thank you. So, just to wrap up, let's recap on a few of the key takeaways from today's session. Your personal brand is paramount. To make yourself stand out from the crowd, you do have to work on yourself, as Steve just touched upon there. It's just like baking a cake. When you mix all the ingredients together, that's where the magic happens. Steve highlighted earlier, introductions are everything, and we should all work on our elevator speech, which is really, you know, our, our punch, how people take self and take notice. So take a minute to think about how you introduce yourself to others, as this is what leaves a mark. Sipsy provides a fantastic opportunity for peers and like-minded organizations to network before and after events. So this is the ideal time for you to practice your elevator pitch and in a safe environment, push yourself out of your comfort zone and approach someone in the room that you don't know and connect together. It's also the same in interviews. The first 30 to, six, the first 30 to 60 seconds, they're crucial and that's when the intervie interviewer can form an opinion. Communication skills are not just written, but verbal and body language are also vitally important and should be practiced. As Steve mentioned, always remember that you give yourself an edge over other, other engineers in the industry by leaning on your past experience and demonstrating this at the interview by doing your homework. Preparation is key, not just for your resume, but also the interview itself. So Steve ran through some common mistakes engineers can make in terms of how, how not to introduce yourself, um, and also what you shouldn't tell the interviewer. Um, also looking at behavioral questions and that key one about your strengths and weaknesses that everyone sort of um, struggles with. It's also clear that communication is vital in the workplace. People don't leave jobs, they leave bad managers. It can be difficult at times if you feel stagnant in your career, but we'd encourage you to talk. Feedback is crucial and can be tough to take at times, but the only way we learn. Job, job hopping for this reason will only catch up with you in the end and you'll find yourself in a never-ending loop, kicking yourself by asking, what if? Same goes for financial reasons. Your career is all about being passionate. Finding your passion and pursuing it in your engineering career is the key to having a successful and enjoyable work life. We also covered how professional associations such as Sibsi can help you achieve goals you wouldn't normally achieve if you weren't involved in them. Why having a support group as an engineer or a student can completely change your career for the better and also, assuming a leadership role in a professional association also forces you to lead by influence and gives you invaluable experience for your resume. 
Associations also help you improve your communication and speaking skills and build your confidence that you can transfer into the workplace. So we encourage you all to come along to a, a Sibji event. So we'd like to express our thanks to our industry sponsors, ARBS, who have made this possible. ARBS stands for the Air Conditioning, Refrigeration and Building Services Exhibition, and that will take place on the 8th to the 10th of May of 2018. ARBS is the, uh, Australia's only international trade exhibition for the HVAC and refrigeration and building services industry. Holding over 350 exhibitors and in excess of 8,000 visitors, ARBS 2018 will provide unrivaled access to everything in the HVAC and refrigeration in the Southern Hemisphere. Discover all the major national, international and multinational exhibitor, exhibitors who will display their very latest products and services. They'll also consolidate your supplier contacts, your networks with industry colleagues and keep up with all the latest news, views and events. You also get a chance to learn about the latest technologies, standards, best practice at our cutting edge seminar programme held alongside the exhibition. So attend one of the many seminars, workshops, technical talks or tours and stay informed on topics and ensure that they're shaping and affecting our industry. Entry to ARBS is free, so be sure to get down there. If you're interested to find out more information, you can visit us um, at SIBSI, www.sibsi.org.au or also www.arbs.com.au for more information. Please subscribe to our broadcast where you can replay previous podcasts where we've explored and discussed incoming changes to legislation, standards, we've also tackled ethics, training and education, careers in construction, plus going back to the grassroots level through the CSIRO project to enhance and encourage our future engineers of tomorrow at school level into the building services engineering. On our news page, you can also find out more details about the topics and our guest presenters. If you want to find out more about SIBSI, then please be sure to look us up at www.sibsi.org.au, where you can also sign up for our monthly e-news. Our show is produced by Sheena Alexandra and Keith Hodgins at Bondi Radio on the world-famous Bondi Beach. Talking Buildings is a SIBSI Australia and New Zealand production. I'm Paul Angus. Thanks for listening. Join us for the next episode of Talking Buildings. Broadcasting from the world-famous Bondi Beach.